Welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II, along with Thomas Manning. We appreciate you spending time with us. we got a special guest. Uh, i, I got to see if I get this right. Now, Matt, you and I have known each other for a little while, but let me see if I can get this right. You're a former film editor for Creative Loafing in Charlotte, mm-hmm. a current film critic for Connect Savannah, and you're the master of your own domain, Film Frenzy at FilmFrenzy.com. Did I, did I get that right? Yes. WWW, <laughs> the Film Frenzy. Dot com. Yeah, it's sad because filmfrenzy.com was taken. And it's like, okay, do I do the film frenzy, a film frenzy, cool film frenzy? No. Yeah, I actually. Boy, uh, has trouble with his articles anyway, so he can't remember if it's D or A. Like, he gets that mess up all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> I do, and that actually brings us to the non-viewer mail that we received this past week. Uh, recently, we had uh, Patrick Willems on the show, uh, and we were talking about. What were we talking about, Thomas? Films that... Well, look at uh, the middle class, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, working class. Working class films yeah, in, yeah. in relation to uh, Labor Day. And so we were... And I, I was talking about a, a movie by Charlie Chaplin, and the non-viewer mail said, um, said, Mr. Manning... It didn't quite use those exact words, but Mr. Manning, you referred to the Charlie Chaplin film as Modern Problems, but that was actually a Chevy Chase film. And you are correct. Uh, that came from Max Fiedler from Kayser. You were right. I was wrong. Anybody who's ever watched me or listened to me know, you know, I get movie titles wrong all the time, which is not a good thing if you're a film journalist or a film critic. But I always appreciate people bringing that to my attention. And uh, I will always accept responsibility for my failures. And I failed Charlie Chaplin and I failed Chevy Chase. So, so there you go. Thanks for the non-viewer mail. And yes, the website for Matt Brunson is the filmfrenzy.com. <laughs> well, Matt, we are glad to have you here. We've been uh, trying to get you on the show for, for quite a while and I'm uh, glad we could finally make it happen. And uh, it's crazy that a pandemic would be the, the only way we could get you to do this show, but man, glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. Um, let, one of the things that we love to do uh, when we have new guests on is get a little background on these uh, on these film critics and film journalists on where their love of film began and and how that started. And, and Thomas may have a question as well, but I'd love for you to just kind of dive in and give us a little background on on Matt Brunson. Uh, well, um, I I'd grown up overseas uh, in my formative years in um, uh, Kenya, Portugal, and Argentina, and uh, there wasn't a lot of TV in uh, those countries at the time, so there wasn't much to watch. So I went to the movies all the time, and especially in uh, Portugal, where I had the longest stay, uh, I lived in the suburbs, and there they wasn't like you know downtown Lisbon where they like here they keep movies for weeks or months. The theaters there they bring in older movies, ones that'd be playing on TV in the U.S., they would switch the movies out every day. So, you know, my initial education was just basically, you know, getting off the school bus right in front of the theater and going and watching movies. um, So that really worked out. And then I came to UNCC and um, uh, started as a theater major, switched to English because at the time there's no journalism program and uh, took some, um, what do you call it, special studies and film criticism there. And then from there, pretty much went to Creative Loafing not long after graduating. Yeah. So do you remember some of those early movies you saw uh, when you were overseas? 
like every day a new one. Do you remember some of those early ones? Uh, yeah. I mean, like we're talking um, late seventies, early eighties, but I could go to the theater and see the guns and Avron, which, you know, came out in the early sixties, uh, 61. And uh, so it was really cool because if I were in this country, unless I lived in LA with a repertory theater or New York, I wasn't going to get to see those on the big screen. So it was really nice to be able to go and catch these movies that um, were much older. And that was a lot of fun. And they were good prints, too. It wasn't like some old beat up print. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty cool seeing stuff like that. And um, they would even like show older movies. At Speaking of Chaplin, they had some Chaplin movies and, um, and some older comedies. And it was just it was a good education. The best one I could have gotten. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Thomas, go ahead and dive in. I know you have a question. Yeah. Um, and so were you all also able to get kind of engrossed in the cinema native to those regions as well um that you know not american film but things that were developed in those countries and if so how was that kind of influenced the way that you just look at film in general um well i was real little for argentina when i went to portugal they did have um it wasn't a huge film industry they did have a film industry so uh, i did get to see some there the problem was I, I knew Spanish as well as I knew English from Argentina because I was at that age. And when I got to Portugal, Portuguese is kind of similar to Spanish. So I kind of created my own language at that point because I was mixing up the two. Uh, so I couldn't always follow the, the Portuguese films. Uh, with the other movies, though, I could see movies. It, I was better at reading it. So like I could see French movies and read the Portuguese subtitles and kind of get a feel of what was going on. Um, it wasn't until college, though, that uh, obviously with the film classes there where they really start showing you, you know, cinema from all over the world. And that's when you really get a feel for, for everything available. Yeah. Thomas, anything else before we dive into five films for Matt Brunson? Um, so like just taking what you learned throughout your film studies as a college student, what were some of the most you know, critical things you learned to look at film analytically that maybe you hadn't have learned just growing up watching movies? Uh, well, uh, some of that would be covered in my five films, but I think the one major thing, I don't know if this really answers your question, it's because when I became, from there, I was a critic for the school newspaper and then kind of, you know, segued into that in real life, but um, real life as opposed to family <laughs> college. Uh, but the important thing is, as you guys know, is it doesn't matter if people, you know, agree or disagree with you because the letter saying, you know, I don't agree with you, you're an idiot and all that. That's never the point. The point is to explain enough about the film that the reader can decide this sounds like my kind of movie, even if you hated it, or this doesn't sound like my kind of movie, even if you loved it. And I think uh, over the course of the career, I think that's one of the most important things any, any writer should know in this field. Absolutely. Are there any film critics that you followed once you started pursuing uh, film criticism? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, everybody followed Cisco and Ebert. Once I came to this country, I didn't, I didn't miss an episode. <laughs> uh, and also, Mike Clark, who actually recently passed away, he was the longtime film critic for USA Today. And he was, he was pretty important. I think, you know, people are like, oh, USA Today, that's fluffy. But he was, he was an excellent film critic because he, he was my type that he would bring in old movies and his reviews of newer movies and make connections to the past. I think, I think knowing about the history of cinema and incorporating it is very important. Um, and he did that very well. And that's something that I thought, well, I should do that too. I should try to, you know, make connections, not just everything here and now and more shallow. It should be, you know, kind of referencing back, I think. Yeah, awesome. And I think that's a great segue into five films to get to know Matt Brunson. We try to do this with uh, with film critics as well that we bring in on the show. 
to just talk about films that connect to them in some way. And we say five films to get to know you, you can decide what that means. So it's up to you to interpret that, Matt. Okay. Well, um, a couple of them have already been touched on uh, when you mentioned modern prime, uh, problems slash modern <laughs> times. Uh, modern uh, times, not problems. The Charlie Chaplin one is the one that is actually my favorite comedy. I think it's a wonderful movie because um, it's very, not only is it funny, but it brings in a lot of sociopolitical issues. Uh, so you have like that and, you know, Young Frankenstein is the one that probably influenced me the most in my humor, that Mad Magazine. Uh, but I would say Modern Times is the one that best represents what I can look for in comedies and really appreciate. Um, and then the other thing about uh, going to college and um, learning more about foreign films, uh, another, my second one would be The Seventh um, Seal by Ingmar Bergman. Because uh, up at that point, I'd seen, like I said, some foreign movies, but, and, you know, experimental movies, deep American movies. But until I saw that one, I was like, wow, cinema can do this. This is they, they can expand the parameters. They can talk about such weighty subjects. And uh, that one really blew my mind just in terms of what cinema can encompass. And I saw Citizen Kane for the first time around then. So between the two, it's like, okay, this medium, as much as I loved it, is now really wide open. Um, I guess the third one would be my absolute all-time favorite movie, which is uh, 1950s All About Eve with Betty Davis. Uh, I guess as a writer and as someone interested in the arts, uh, I, I think that's just the perfect movie. There may be better directed movies, there may be better acted, although not many, but I don't think there's ever been a better written movie. The script for that is amazing. And the most amazing thing, of course, is all the classic lines, all the sarcastic, cynical dialogue. Um, and then for the next choice, uh, speaking of cynicism, uh, I'm a huge fan of film noir. And so something like Maltese Falcon or Double Indemnity, I love the the fatalistic feel of those movies um it, they're just they're just incredible and again the dialogue in those movies is what makes it special I, I think the 40s obviously had the best dialogue um of any any decade um and then for my last one i guess my age uh you know i came of age in the lucas spielberg era i was like 11 when star wars came out and 15 when raiders came out so i probably mentioned raiders of the lost art because the movies that just make you feel good that just great popcorn entertainment like that or the great escape another movie i worship uh there's a lot to say for those types of movies uh so those would be mine awesome uh, five films to get to know the map get to know matt brunson from thefilmfrenzy.com make sure you put the in front of that when you check that out well uh, uh thomas uh, we're going to dive in and let you do a real to real film fest review uh the real to real film fest for those that may not be aware is uh, going on september 9th through october 9th uh this year it is a virtual festival and uh, anybody can check it out go to real to real fest.com r-e-a-l T-O-R-E-E-L fest.com. And uh, last week we had Thomas doing a couple of filmmaker interviews with a couple of those filmmakers. And uh, today he's going to be reviewing one of the films called A Modern Romance. And it's not Modern Times or Modern Problems. Yeah, but it's uh, interesting that you make that connection because this is very much a silent film. Um, there's no dialogue. It's just all music and title cards, um, heavily inspired by Chaplin and then many aspects by Wes Anderson, I would say, because I think Wes Anderson, you can tell just that he was inspired by some early silent filmmakers. And um, so it's kind of all of that combined to a four minute short film. It's directed by Nathan Shanahan and uh, from the North Carolina School of the Arts. It was just a very confident movie. Um, you can tell that there was a ton of talent just kind of brimming to the surface. Um, very small cast, only two characters and had the chance to interview the cast and crew and they were just 
all very um, – they all worked well together, like, and um, just the – kind of the, the meshing of their personalities was pretty phenomenal. Um, and uh, the interview, you can actually find that one on, like, Real Conversations connected through Seed and Spark with um, Real to Real Film mm-hmm. Festival. Um, but yeah, I would just, I would highly recommend this if you're going to Real to Real Film Festival, if you're checking that out online. Um, it was probably one of the, um, one of the just kind of warmer and more upbeat films that we saw with the festival. And, uh, it's just one that I'm really glad I got to check out. And what rating are you going to get from an A to F rating for modern, a modern romance? I got to give it a solid A plus. Like it was just so tightly constructed, just every shot was beautiful and the expression of the actors, they just kind of owned their roles, even though it was completely physical performances. And uh, I was just very impressed with it all around. Just a group of like 20 year olds, basically people my age that made this. And uh, it's one that um, I'm very impressed with. Awesome. Uh, That is on the uh, real to real film festivals website uh, through seed and spark, but go to real to real fest.com or E A L T-O-R-E-E-L fest.com. You can check out films for an entire month from September 9th through October the 9th. Um, I'll give a quick review before the break and then we'll come back and and have have a bit of fun. Uh, There is a new documentary called Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. And it looks at the life of former U.S. President Jimmy Carter, but it does it through the lens of music. Anybody who may not be aware, uh, Jimmy Carter had this incredible love of music and an incredible knowledge of music spanning the spectrums from classical to country, bluegrass, rock and roll, R&B. I mean, he had this just this almost encyclopedia knowledge of that, and he embraced so many aspects of it. Through the lens of music, this particular documentary looks at his life, and it's threaded together through different seasons of his life, through uh, through musicians telling stories, telling connections, uh, even has interviews with Jimmy Carter himself, and some of the musicians that were interviewed, Bob Dylan, Bono, um, Garth Brooks, uh, Tricia Yearwood, uh, and Roseanne Cash, talking about how Johnny Cash was such a, a fan the Allman Brothers. It was just an amazing documentary, and I got a chance to get a glimpse of Jimmy Carter that I never knew. Uh, highly recommend this documentary. I've talked to uh, the director of this uh, just this past week, and uh, she said that they, they knew that they wanted to, she, she was a former uh, filmmaker doing music documentaries, and they, um, she was pitched this idea a few years ago at a festival from someone that said, did you know Jimmy Carter had this incredible love and connection to music? So that idea just planted the seed and it took her places. She said she never thought she would go. But uh, if you were a fan of music, if you're a fan of politics, if you're a fan of uh, understanding society and culture and how all those things work together, I would highly recommend Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. It is available now uh, through video on demand, a solid A rating for me on this. Uh, The editing was spectacular. Uh, The interviews and the archive footage that they were able to grab going back to early, early days of Jimmy Carter um, back in the the 50s. uh, It was pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. So highly recommend that uh, documentary. We're going to take a quick intermission right here on Meet Me at the Movies. We'll come right back with Matt Brunson and Thomas Manning. We're going to talk about uh, Blu-ray releases and, and, and why now is the perfect time. And, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do a hot topic as well. Songs that may connect to our lives right after this quick intermission on Meet Me at the Movies. 
They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make a big star out of me. Who says there's no high school football this fall? Well, there is on C19 TV. That's right. Every weekend this fall, C19 TV will be airing classic Cleveland County local high school football games. Catch the gridiron action as Burns, Crest, Kings Mountain, and Shelby prove each week why Cleveland County year in and year out is the home of the best football in North Carolina. So don't miss classic Cleveland County high school football every Saturday and Sunday afternoon this fall only on Spectrum Cable on C19 TV, a broadcast service of Cleveland Community College. Welcome back, students. We're in the first week of our fall semester, and I hope things are off to a great start for you. As you know, things are much different right now, and we have taken a lot of precautions to ensure your safety. If you haven't gotten the classes that you want, it's not too late to register now. I wish you the best in this fall semester. Library services include assessing the needs of students to provide appropriate resources. Student support services is where students can come for assistance navigating college policies and procedures. We offer free tutoring to all students through Zoom sessions with our tutors and access to 24-7 online tutoring with Tutor.com. The enrollment center is where you can come to CCC and get enrolled here in the college. Also, you can do financial aid and you can get registered for class all in one stop. back to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II along with Mr. Matt Brunson and Thomas Manning. You can find Matt at thefilmfrenzy.com. You can find Thomas, I don't know, uh, where, where do you want people to find you, Thomas? Uh, let's see, the rundown of movies.com. That is the rundown. Um, also, I do work with Douglas Davidson over at Elements of Madness. So. Awesome. Good deal. Good deal. And you can uh, find plenty of Thomas's interviews if you go to the Real to Real uh, film festivals uh, website as well. Uh, he's got quite a few interviews with some of the filmmakers featured this year. Well, Matt, um, you and I have uh, have not been able to spend time with each other at movie theaters, uh, which we used to do pretty much every week. And Thomas would would we would all spend some time talking to each other, and a lot of times we sit close to each other. We can't do that anymore. Um, and and even if we could right now, um, well. That's a whole other story, <laughs> but uh, now is the time to do things a little different uh, for the past six, seven, eight, ten months, it seems. Uh, we've had to embrace films in a different way, and you, uh, it's, it's been a good opportunity for you to go back and look at some older films, and, uh, and Blu-ray releases are way, one of the ways of doing that. Yes, uh, I have a, a weekly uh, Blu-ray DVD column called View from the Couch, and I've done it for centuries, even, you know, back, uh, back when I was reviewing VHS cassettes. <laughs> so it's been that long. Um, I moved it from Creative Loaf into to my own site, Film Frenzy. And uh, there, it's always been a mix, you know, most throughout normal life, it's a mix of like older movies and new movies that had been released in the theaters. Then three months later, they're now out on Blu-ray and DVD and I can review them. Obviously, this is not the case anymore. I mean, once we ended with the Blu-ray releases of like The Invisible Man, um, you know, the last movies that hit theaters before all this madness started. Um, 
now there's not really any new movies. Every once in a while, somebody will put one out. Like they did put Scoob out, um, even though it debuted online. Uh, same with uh, The High Note with Dakota Johnson. Uh, so now my column is even more heavy with older movies, which is fine because I love reviewing older movies. But it's definitely changed the dynamic. And there's now more people, they don't have anything to buy. So they're just basically streaming all the new stuff. Um, and I don't know personally if this has helped the sales of older movies, but... Um, the studios have not slowed down in releasing more catalog titles. And in fact, I think some have actually increased it. Um, so uh, I guess one example would be Roman Holiday, speaking of Gregory Peck. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's finally coming out. And the interesting thing on that one is there's so many titles. You go to a site like Blu-ray.com or whatever. And when they announce older movies being released, there's always comments like, yes, but what about this classic movie? It still hasn't come. This Roman Holiday is one of the movies that people for years have been saying, why is it not on Blu-ray? And it's kind of, you kind of wonder why Paramount took their time. Because uh, it's a genuine classic. It won Audrey Hepburn, her Oscar. Um, Dalton Trumbo, one of his, um, during his blacklisted period, no less. Um, so it's good that it's finally there, but there's still so many more. Uh, Warner Archive, they release a lot of good movies, but sometimes they'll do really obscure ones, and that starts the flood of why isn't Night Shift, you know, the, the Michael Keaton movie out, or, you know, just a lot of big titles. So how they choose these titles, I don't know. Uh, but there are enough major titles, and then sprinkled in some, you know, hidden treasures, buried treasures. Uh, so there's plenty out there for people to watch if they want to, you know, check out some of the older catalog titles. Awesome. So what's the, uh, what's your, your greatest recommendation right now, other than Roman holiday, if you were going to recommend one for people to go back and check out? Oh gosh. Uh, well I did mention, I think, yeah, the great escape being one of my favorites and that didn't come out too long ago, uh, from Criterion no less. So that's, that's definitely one. If you just want a good time, if you're more into, um, like art house films, uh, Criterion released an Agnes Varda's box set. It's a tremendous back set. It's got 39 of her movies, a big book. So if you got like, you know, $150, $200 to spare, you know, yeah. and you might, you're not spending money going to the movie. So, you know, you might have it. Uh, that would be one definitely to, to consider. Okay, awesome. Great. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you sharing that. And you can find uh, Matt's work on thefilmfrenzy.com. We're going to dive into a focal point hot topic right now. Songs that connect to us from film and not from traditional music. So that's that's kind of traditional musicals. That's the uh, disclaimer there. Thomas, we'll, we'll start with you first. Give us one song that connects with you from a movie and why. All right, so we got to go with uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the parade sequence, um, Twist and Shout by the Beatles. Uh, it's just like one of the most joyous film scenes like of all time and uh, just, uh, I connect with Ferris Bueller on such a personal level and that's why it's one of my uh, favorite movies of all time, but I also think I connect with his friend Cameron Fry, who is uh, who tries to live vicariously through Ferris, and I think I'm more like Cameron in the sense that uh, you know I sometimes I'm lonely and a bit worried about stuff. Awesome, awesome, great choice, Thomas. Great choice, Matt. What about you? I think my first choice would be, and this is more not even just connects to me personally, but just because I think it might be the best meshing of music sound, imagery, etc., is the use of the end by the doors at the opening of Apocalypse Now. Uh, that's just a tremendous use of everything. The way, you know, you have the, the, the jungles and then the bombing and then the spinning of the helicopters and it goes into Martin Sheen laying there on the bed looking at the ceiling fan that's spinning. And, you know, the song is just insane and uh, it just fits perfectly with opening that movie. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, man, visually, absolutely amazing. Uh, for me, I, I, you know, I go back to the 80s uh, with, with so many of, of mine because that's a, a time that movie soundtracks, uh, especially popular movie soundtracks with popular artists, were so huge. And The Breakfast Club, uh, the song Don't You Forget About Me, the song that Billy Idol turned down and wish he had not. Uh, that one sticks with me for a lot of different reasons. Uh, that film is, is so iconic. And uh, I go, go back and watch that movie over and over and over again. And Thomas, the first time he watched that film, was not a fan. But you've come, you've grown to love that movie, haven't you? Yeah, certainly. I watched it like three or four years ago for the first time and just it didn't click with me. But uh I've learned a lot about filmmaking in those three or four years, and I uh, watched it again this summer and just absolutely fell in love with it. Awesome. Good deal. Uh, Matt, go, go to you for another film. Uh, I guess the next one will be, uh, again, another very intense movie about a war-torn country, but um, it would be the use of John Lennon's Imagine at the end of The Killing Fields. Uh, now, I guess spoilers, because it's the end of the movie, but uh, I just think you just spend two hours in this movie that just is intense, pummeling you with all these atrocities. And then at the end, uh, when the two characters, you know, they, they finally reunite. And it's just, it's the use is great because it's just on a car radio in the background. It's not like swung up on the soundtrack. It's just kind of playing there mellow. And then when they meet, it swells up. And it's just, oh my God, it's like you cry at that scene. It's just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thomas, uh, go to you for another one, buddy. All right. I'm going to go with uh, Stuck in the Middle with you from Reservoir Dogs. And, uh, you know, Tarantino's directorial debut, and you have Michael Madsen just playing this sick and twisted, sadistic character. And as he's in the middle of torturing somebody, he brings out his boombox and starts playing Stuck in the Middle with you by Steeler's Wheel. And um, it's just like every time I hear that song, I just can't get that imagery out of my head. But, um, and I think that's the mark of a, a, of a good music supervisor. That's just one that's it's going to stick with me for a long time. Uh, well, for my next uh, song uh, from a film that sticks with me and connects with me, uh, I've got to go back to a Julia Roberts film. I uh, had a crush on Julia Roberts. She's a ginger, and, you know, I, I, of course, I'm drawn to gingers, uh, and, and I am one, and, and my kids are gingers. But this, the movie Pretty Woman uh, – Loved her in that movie, but the song from the one of the coolest guys in the world that wore sunglasses all the time by Roy Orbison. I mean, my gosh, the guy would wear sunglasses at night. He was the original sunglasses <laughs> at night guy. He was he just oozed cool. And so, uh, Pretty Woman from the movie Pretty Woman uh, is one that I will go with. Uh, we do have time for uh, one more. So, Matt, we'll go around and let you uh, dive in with one more. Okay, and then the final one, I'd like a romantic one, and uh, not Ghost, not Unchained Melody from Ghost, which is everybody's favorite. The one I really love is uh, What a Wonderful World from Witness, um, the barn scene, uh, and it's not the Sam Cooke version, uh, uh, Greg Chapman, I think, and uh, that's just, I mean, it's so romantic, because again, it's one that's on the radio, and, you know, Kelly McGillis, A Sheltered Life, and Harrison Ford just gets her going to the music, and they dance. It's just a great scene. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Thomas, what else have you got, buddy? Uh, so the opening of Days and Confused from Richard Linklater, um, Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. So this film was made in 93, but like took place in 76, I believe. And uh, just that opening set the tone as like, the, you know, the high school parking lot, the cars cruising around and you have Aerosmith hitting, hitting the soundtrack and uh, just kind of sets the vibe for the entire film. It's just like one of the coolest and like one of the coolest hangout films ever. 
And, um, you know, that first needle drop right there at the beginning just kind of paves the way for the entire, like, hour and 40-minute runtime. It just maintains that consistency. Well, and I'm going to cheat with uh, with my last one. Uh, this was a uh, song that was written for a movie, but it was a was not a traditional musical. Uh, the movie Sing Street is is one of my favorite films of all time, um, for a lot of different reasons. It was one of those that, that flew under the radar, and uh, I remember it was recommended to me by one of our uh, colleagues, uh, Sean O'Connell. This was before the movie really started getting the buzz. He said, Noel, if you haven't seen it, he said, see it, I know you love music, check it out. And uh, Drive It Like You Stole It was just the perfect song lyrically. And, and also it, it just connected me to what I feel about life pretty much every day. I try to embrace every second of it. And so uh, Drive It Like You Stole It. Uh, from the movie Sing Street is on my list. All right, Matt Brunson, thanks for being our guest. And once again, how can people find you? Oh, well, let me think. Uh, oh, it was www.thefilmfrenzy.com. <laughs> awesome. Man, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Really appreciate yeah. it. It's always good to see you. Uh, and Thomas, thank you as well. We will uh, wrap things up with a movie quote of the week. And this comes from Modern Problems. You know, according to these chicken guts, there's going to be an awfully big ruckus this weekend. That comes from Dorita from Modern Problems. So until next time, I am Noel T. Manning II with Matt Brunson and with Thomas Manning for this week for Meet Me the Movies. That's a wrap. Happy